0: All right, all right, all right. Hello, beautiful babies, and welcome to another episode of The Brighter Side. Yes, I'm Amber Nelson, and I'm currently, I have these sheets over me, so the sound is better, because I'm in a very cavernous studio at the moment, and I don't want it to sound like I'm at a football game. Wow, I am laying on these new sheets I got. I got face cream. I got a towel. I got a face towel so my face doesn't touch my feet and my booty hole towel. Um, What else? I've got food in this little mini fridge. I am living my life. My goodness. oh, Things are getting better. I mean, I just had a huge meal of these stuffed chilies. I'm getting a little too tum tum and the rum rum. Need to go to a gym, drink some green juice. I've had a crazy couple days. I'm in this studio and um, oh, it's off the Gold Line. Um, it's very uh, Mexican neighborhood. I went to a bar the other night and I was well, I was putting my keys in the door, and I was like, <laughs> I hear music, and then I was like, I'm gonna go follow this music. And I go into this bar. Uh, I uh un poquito habla español. <laughs> and no one spoke English. But you know what? I, I had a great time. There was a band playing. And the men with the big hats and the, the Stetson shirts and the tassels. Everybody's dancing. I had a Bud Light. And then this woman approaches me, and she's a little bit older. And, uh, she speaks a little bit of English and we just start talking and having fun. And next thing you know, the bar is closed and she's like, you want to hang out? And I'm like, yeah. And then we go behind the bar and I'm, you know, we we both have to pee. So we go pee in an alley. And then she was like, do you want to come to a party with me? And I was like, yes. And then she's like, we have to take a car. And I was like, okay. Thinking it'd be like an Uber or something. So she pulls out this burner phone, and then we get in this cab. It's like an old-school yellow New York taxi cab. And I'm kind of like, all right, it's a little weird, but, you know, I'm here. Just kind of yes and in the whole universe. And um, <laughs> she, we go to her friend's house. Friend's not home, so we just ended up drinking beer in a back alley. It's us and then this mariachi man. And then she calls the cab over again. And then we keep making all these stops at houses. And the little mariachi man gets out and then goes to the house and then comes back in the car. And you know what? I'm going to assume they were handing out hugs. (laughs) I don't know. I'm honestly a little bit of embarrassed. That's probably the most dangerous thing I've ever done. Just get in a car and, like, we don't speak each other's languages. And just driving around some strange neighborhood giving out whatever. Am I in a drug deal right now? What am I doing? What am I doing? Losing my mind.
1: Well, that was a hell of a story, Amber. I hope that in the future, you will be uh, a little more careful on your adventures with people who don't speak your language. You know, I'm not one to talk in particular. I uh, had a situation. It was after... High school, we all went on a big trip to Cancun together. And this would have been the, I was 18 years old and, you know, dumb as a bag of rocks. And I was just like, I got to eat weed when I'm in, when I'm in Cancun, I got to smoke weed when I'm in Cancun. And, <laughs> and for some reason, I thought that I could just go find it. And the first thing they tell you when they get there is don't buy weed from cab drivers. And wouldn't you know it, the only people who sell weed in Cancun happen to be cab drivers. And so I found this little old lady and who's a cab driver. And I'm like, well... If She's not going to kill me. She's a little old lady. So I asked her, I was like, hey, how you doing? We were joking around. She's playing Matchbox 20 in Spanish in her car. And I was just like, oh, good music. Música, bueno, bueno, música. Uh, marijuana? You know, question, yeah, that sounds like a question mark at the end of it. And she's like, si, sí, si, sí, si. Sí. And I was like, oh, bueno, bueno, bueno. Um, Cash, cash. uh Dollars, dollars. And she's like, oh, okay. She's like, un momento, un momento. And then she took me and she put me in a plastic chair next to the cab stand. And we sat there for what seemed like an hour and a half. And then she like, okay. And then waves me to her car and drives me. And it's the sun's coming up at this point. It's 5 AM, 6 AM, something like that. And she starts driving me outside of Cancun, like in the middle of the Mexican desert, scary shit. Ain't nothing but cactus and holes. I mean, it was nuts. And we pull up to this tiny shack in the middle of the fucking desert. And I was like, Oh no, this is, it's it. I'm done. My life. This is how I go out. You know, leather, Mexican leather face is going to pop out of the shed and just start swinging around a, swinging around a chainsaw and I'm done. And then out of the shed, the shed is also like, Half the size of my living room It's the tiniest little place in, in the middle of the desert And it's the only thing you can see for miles around And another little old lady comes out of the shed We've also been sitting in front of it for like 5 to 10 minutes So What felt like an eternity and, mother, and she gets in the back seat behind me And she's like talking to the lady And they're like arguing in Spanish I don't understand the goddamn word and I was like, "Marijuana, marijuana!" And she's like, "See, sí, see, see!" And then she like took a bag and she like threw it at me. And then it was weed, but it was just like covered in this white stuff. And I was like, "I was like, no, 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 co- cocaine, cocoa, cocoa!" And I was pointing at the marijuana. And she's like, "No cocoa, no cocoa." I was like, "No, I don't, I don't want cocoa. I don't want the cocoa." Just, you know, I is there cocoa on the weed? Is marijuana con cocoa? And she's like, no. And I was like, well, ¿por blanco? Blanco, ¿por qué? And I think she was asking, I think she thought I was asking, why am I white? You know, which is probably what I was saying. Then uh, she looked very puzzled. And I was just like, no problem. And she's like, $60. And I was like, God damn. <laughs> so I gave her 60 bucks. And uh, I got to keep the weird uh, cocaine-covered weed, I think. Uh, it was definitely white marijuana. And uh, the lady drove me back to my hotel, and I was a hero to all my friends. So sometimes, I guess the brighter side here is, sometimes you take a risk, and it works out for you. Other times, you take a risk, and you should have ended up dead. And... I think in this situation, myself and Amber made the wrong choice. The brighter side is good stories. The bad side is possible murder and insertion of holes that we do not want to be touched upon. Another time I hung out I used to hang out with my dishwashers at Poorhouse all the time and they didn't speak a lick of English and I didn't speak that much Spanish, but we had like words that we knew and we had phrases that always make made us laugh and we were buddies, you know, because the other cook there would always try and like get him fired or get him in trouble and then you know I explained to them, you know, dale Diablo Blanco, you know, me, Eddie no ojos and I cover my eye no ojos oh what happened what happened what happened so they knew they could do whatever they want when I was around but Dale Diablo Blanco no mas you know trabajar you know they're like oh okay they get it you know you get the keywords in there and uh which means you know Dale's the white devil uh you no work you know they they get the point you know I used to have a lot of fun with them I would Go in the back and I take a bunch of knives and I throw them on the ground. Then I go, Cuchillo Muerto Fiesta, which roughly means, uh, murder knife party, which, you know, they, it's a fun joke. You know, they well, like, we laugh, you know, thank God none of them took it serious. Uh, but the thing is those dudes loved me and they respected me because I respected them and I wouldn't demand things for them. I wouldn't like, Dale, who was a shithead that I used to work with, he when he asked for things, he'd be like, cucumbers, rapido. And then I'd just be like, pepinos, bro, what the fuck? You know, and i have fun, you know, like like chicken breasts. You know, i go, pollo de chichi, which means chicken titties. You know, they, they like that kind of stuff. You know, it's just, you got to joke around with people and you got to keep it loose. Otherwise, you're going to end up being Dale and bouncing around from job to job, having everyone hate you everywhere you go. And, uh, and I would say that I shouldn't say his name, but I don't like him that much. And so, fuck Dale. Be nice to people who aren't like you, because in all intents and purposes, in the grand scheme of things, me and Dale should have been best friends. Not like me and these dudes that don't even speak the same language as me. Me and Valentine stayed up till four in the morning going out drinking together a couple times. And we would like talk every once in a while, but we'd play pool and a couple jokes, uh, a you know, whenever I miss a shot, you know, and they, they, they laugh, you know, we'd have a good time and we'd hang out like all night and would not be able to speak to each other. There's something very cool and romantic about that. And so I understand where Amber's influence or, uh, inspiration came from, but, uh, Lord knows she's got to be a little more careful and, uh, I hope she, uh, choose that in the, uh, in the future. Let's, uh, let's hear what else is going on with Amber. I kind of like these brighter side diaries.
0: <laughs> I just got out of an eight year relationship and, um, He's a good guy. I don't mean to bash him in any way. I think we were not um, compatible with each other, and that happens, Um, and I left him, and I, I, um, I have a job bartending in Hollywood. It's pretty hard work, and I thought I could find a place, and boy, oh boy, finding an apartment in Los Angeles, it's like Homer's Odyssey, like no one people want to know my age and my social media background and I first told them my real age but then I just started lying saying I was younger and I lied and said I was 30 and still nobody wanted me I mean I think in LA like past the age of 25 just like throw women in a wood chipper I guess people really just hate it when a woman is over 25 here <laughs> but that I don't I also don't have any credit I don't understand credit cards. I mean it's like I don't have any debt. I have money. I pay everything on time, but I've never gotten this arbitrary credit card. I don't understand how it works. A friend of mine is thousands of dollars in debt, and he has better credit than I do. So everywhere I go, I apply and they say no you don't have enough credit. No, I don't have this. Nothing. Everywhere I go, I was sleeping on couches. I was homeless for like three months. Isn't that crazy? And then just getting up and like going to work, blowing my back out every day, lifting margarita batches over my head on a ladder. Oh boy. But then I found this place. I finally like my coworker asked me, she was like, how was your day? And I was like, well, you know what? And I finally told him, I was like, I applied for this place and I gave him the $40 deposit and he checked my credit right there and he said, no good. And I said, can I get my $40 back? And he said, no. And then we argued for like five minutes and he's like, there's nothing I can do. And I was like, I'm pretty sure there's, you could just give me back the $40. You know what I mean? He's like, no, I had to use it to to check your credit. And I was like, no, you didn't. (laughs) No, you you, you did not, sir. So she was like, oh, the chef is looking for somebody to live in his place. And lo and behold, it's way out in the middle of nowhere, downtown, but uh, I go check it out. It's perfect. It's got a bed, it's got a TV, microwave, fridge, shower, everything. Boom. I I was <laughs> flabbergasted how just easy it happened. And I have this place for the month because it's all he had on his lease. And then I go to this uh, house party out of nowhere. I didn't know anybody. I knew the birthday boy vaguely, but I was like, all right, rock and roll. Let's go to this house party. I don't know anybody. And then I meet everybody and they're great and I had a fun time and then the next day I tell him everything he's like oh yeah our roommate we're kicking him out because he's like a crazy drug addict we need a place after the end of the month isn't that wild (laughs) I was just like randomly came together when I've been searching and searching and hurting for months and it's in like a great neighborhood man it was hard those months I mean because Even if you have a day off, you can't just lay on the couch. You have to get up and go, you know. So I'd go everywhere. I would go, oh, where did I go? Hare Krishna Museum. That's where I went. And that was kind of terrifying. That was, (laughs) I go and there's this guy eating. No one's in there. It's right by the Hare Krishna temple. And he's like, oh, you caught me. And I was like, okay, sir. And he's like, are you ready for the experience of a lifetime? And I was like, sure am. And he's like, do you also want discounts for the buffet next door? I said, hell yeah. And then we go... And it's, you You go in a room, and it's pitch black, and there are these life-size dioramas that light up and wake up and talk to you and move around. I mean, they look like the souls of the people that have went in there and been trapped before. I was like, am I going to be added to this museum? And then you go and you keep walking through, and it is beautiful and terrifying at the same time. And I'm very glad I ran into my friend Ryan Shutt right before I went in there. He's a New York comic, very funny strange <laughs> I just ran into him on the street and I was like, you want to come in this weird thing? He's like, sure and uh, I'm glad he did because at the end there was this like theater room you go in and the curtain's drawn back and there's like three chairs, you sit into it and you're like, I guess we're about to watch a show now and then the curtain rolls back and then like these snakes come to life that's when that guy, if I was alone he would have come in there and put his penis in my ear Absolutely.
1: These days, you can get practically everything on demand. Like the brighter side. You can listen to me and Amber at home, in the car, at work, wherever, whenever you need to brighten your day. Did you know that you can even get postage on demand? All you need is Stamps.com. With Stamps.com, you can access all the services of the post office right from your desk. Buy and print real U.S. postage for any letter or any package. All available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Just click, print, mail, and you're done. You're done, kid. Stamps.com will even send you a digital scale so you can weigh your letters and packages and print the exact amount of postage every time. We use Stamps.com here at the studio to take care of everything from shipping out merch to sending out birthday cards and letters. With the holidays coming up, I'm real excited to have Stamps.com handle all of my cards and packages so I can spend more time enjoying the holiday season and less time stressing over presents. So right now, use Brighterside for this special offer that's B-R-I-G-H-T-E-R-S-I-D-E, a four week trial includes postage and a digital scale. Don't wait. Don't wait about it. Go to stamps.com. Before you do anything else, click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage and type in brighter side. That's stamps.com. Enter brighter side, B R I G H T E R S I D E. Be good to yourselves. Get some stamps at home, you big baby. We love you. This episode of Brighter Side is brought to you by Quip. One of the most important things we do for our health every day is brushing our teeth, yet most of us don't do it properly. From brushing incorrectly, forgetting to switch sides, and not brushing for long enough, a lot of us aren't taking care of our teeth the way we should. And that's where Quip comes in. Quip is a small, stylish, electric toothbrush that was designed to make brushing your teeth more simple, affordable, and enjoyable. Quip's got a lot of features that set it apart from other brushes. Some people brush too hard and some electric toothbrushes are too abrasive, but not Quip. Sensitive sonic vibrations give you a good deep clean while still being gentle on your sensitive gums. Three out of four of us use bristles that are old, worn out, ineffective and let's be honest, pretty gross. That's why Quip automatically delivers brush heads on the dentist's recommended schedule of every three months for just $5. Don't just take my word for it. Quip is one of the first electric toothbrushes accepted by the American Dental Association. and has thousands of verified five-star reviews. Listen, I love my Quip. I, I take it on the road, everywhere I go, and it, I don't have to worry about it like, my toothbrush mingling with my underwear because it's got a nice little case and it travels so well. And they also send you like a little travel toothpaste as well. These guys are amazing. I love everything they do and they really help me figure out how to tame my gnarled snout. That's why I love Quip and why they're backed by over 20,000 dental professionals. Quip starts at just $25, and if you go to quip.com slash brighter side right now, you get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash brighter side. Brush your teeth. They're going to be pretty. We're going to help you keep your mouth nice. Yeah, it's tough, you know, Going through a breakup is always hard. But in Amber's case, you know, it was like seven years. And I'm sure a lot of you out there listening have gone through that as well. And it's a hefty chunk of time. You know, I mean, seven years. I My biggest breakup was I was with them for three years. And that, like, fucked me up for, like, a solid year. I was just... You know, it didn't date. I didn't do nothing. I was lucky enough to keep my apartment. You know, Amber, Amber took off, and she's trying to find somewhere to live. You know, I could only imagine. I was, I had, back then, I had no credit. You know, I had nothing. I couldn't get credit because I didn't have credit, and it was a mess. And I got lucky with um, my new girlfriend, Julie. The love of my life. She's so wonderful. And in retrospect, so happy uh, how everything went down the way it did. As sad as I was for that year, it's all fucking worth it. And the one thing Julie did uh, to really help me out and turn me into a, a fucking man was that she had this, uh, she had great credit. Julie had great credit. It still has great credit. She's a responsible human being and uh, definitely part of the reason I love her. And she put me on one of her credit cards that she had been paying off on time for over six years. And I got to say, that is what cured my problem. Now, I know that's not an option for everyone out there. That's not an option for Amber. Uh, but because she put me on that card I never even used it but the moment she put me on that card my credit score jumped from non-existent to 730 and I could do anything now I can I can get apartments I can you know anyone who checks my credit I I can get I got my own credit cards now which is a damn nightmare but it's messed up you know that that's how they they what they do and I think we touched on it a little bit in our Are poor episode, but they don't let you move forward in life. You know, they don't let you, someone who has no credit, they won't let you get credit. You know, it's almost better to have bad credit than no credit. It seems like, and they have these like weird credit cards. I don't know if you guys are out there looking for one, but they have these weird credit cards that are kind of like bank accounts and you can get one of them. And whether you, you just like give them two hundred and fifty dollars, and then you base your credit off of that, and you live like that for like a year and a half, and that'll help raise your credit, and you you almost keep it as like a bank account, and you just move it up and down. It's it's like a fancy debit card. It's not a debit card, but it's that's one way to get out of debt and out of credit. But you know, it's they get you because every time you fucking check your credit, it costs. 30 to 50 dollars with, with the, in these situations. And now I know that, you know, Amber was upset that the person took their, her, her 40 dollars, but, you know, unfortunately, that's just how it is. You know, I, you, if you don't get the apartment, they keep the 40 bucks and yeah, it probably took 30 to check your credit and they pocket 10 for the time, you know, but, you know, they, no one who owns a giant building is a decent person. They, They they've been screwed over so many times by tenants to the point where they're not nice anymore. Because let's face it, you know tenants also aren't great. And so, like I remember, I had an apartment with uh, old Henry Zabrowski in college, and we fucking tore that place to shreds. Like we were graffiti on the walls. I had a, we had a bathroom that I just put a big X on the door. We weren't allowed to go in anymore. You know, the walls started coming down in the shower. You know, they weren't fixing anything. The dryer stopped working. I took a magic marker, put an X on that. You know, it, just, it didn't matter. If something stopped working, I just drew a giant X on it. And to the point when we moved and the place was destroyed, like they should have brought us to jail. It was so destroyed. But the only reason that we truly got away with uh, what we did was that the building itself was run by a bunch of crooks. It was being sued by everyone else in the building. And so uh, it just worked out. And so they didn't come looking for us, and we didn't come looking for them. And thank God that happened like it did, because it could have went a very different way for me and your boy over at Last Podcast on the left. Uh, I remember we had the... They, we got, I got locked out one time and I couldn't afford to call a locksmith cause they wouldn't come, you know, let me in the apartment cause they were dickheads. And so I couldn't afford a locksmith. So I was like, all right, well I guess I'm going to kick down my first door I've ever kicked down. So I saddled up, kicked down the door, broke it off the handle, then told them about it and said, uh, you wouldn't come. So I had to get in the door somehow. And for months, I lived with an open door. I put a bar stool. I leaned it up against the door, so whenever the door opened, I knew that the bar stool would fall, and that was kind of like my own alarm. And I got good at it too. I'd be dead asleep upstairs, and I hear that bar stool. That bar stool would fall, and I would just, I would snap up like nothing, like uh, like like a maniac, because I was living like a maniac back then. And I would, I would snap up, and I'd, I'd run downstairs. Who's there? Who's there? I'd like, you know, and then uh, they wouldn't answer. I'd go like, you know, I I, I was, uh, what I'm saying is these are stories of the past and you look back at the past and you realize that maybe there's better ways to live your life. You know what the funny thing is? I was right next to a police station dealing weed and then, you know, they couldn't catch me. I could see them like sitting in their chairs, looking at place. But I'm so happy that Amber found a place of, you know, it's, I think, bright horizons are in her future. And I get the wander in the streets thing. I've done that in the past, the time I spent a Christmas in L.A. completely by myself. Like, there was one other comedian I saw for like a couple hours on Christmas because we knew we had to like not be completely alone. But I was staying in Jeff's pool house, my cousin, Jeff Ross, and I was in his pool house and he was gone and is visiting his sister in Seattle. And we didn't, we weren't that close back then. He didn't completely trust me. So I wasn't in the big house. I was in the pool house and the big house was all locked up and I couldn't get in. And so I sat out there in the pool house with a little bit of fi that could, I could barely reach, And uh, I lived like that for a week. And I didn't have a lock on that door also, which was very freeing. But I was out there over Christmas for a week. It was the first Christmas I was ever without. I didn't uh, spend with my mom. And uh, I took to wandering the streets. But, you know, you find things to do. You find things to do. And I remember I went and saw Reverend Horton Heat by myself, which was badass. I went and saw the Growlers by myself both at the Fonda Theater, so much fun. Back then it was called the Music Box. And then I found out, like, a friend of mine was in San Diego, or was my family, Robin. Jeff's sister was in San Diego, and she said, come down and visit. It was like three days after Christmas. I went down, went to the zoo, saw them pandas, and, you know, it ended up being, like, a, a pretty cool Christmas. It, it was also, like, the when I figured out how to, like, be alone properly. And I think that's a big moment in everyone's life when they figure out, like, oh, it's okay to go to the movies by myself. I can go to a diner and order dinner and sit here and eat by myself, and I'm not going to get sad about it. I'm just going to enjoy the peace and quiet and sit here in my thoughts, put some headphones in, listen to some music. You do what you do. I mean, some people, I'm sure, need that, need someone to go to the movies with, or they need someone to... But like when it comes to dinner and eating the movies, eating the movies, like if talking like a, like a fat man, I'm talking like a fat man. Uh, when it comes to eating dinner and going to the movies, those are two things you definitely don't need someone else to be there. I mean, you're watching a movie. You're not. If you start talking, you're a dick. You know. So it's just like go to the movies. And check that. Check it out. I went and saw Star Is Born. That was fun. You know, like, and it's good. And also, when you're by yourself, a little easier to cry, a little easier to get them tears out. Because, boy, oh boy, you won't be embarrassed. And I applaud you, Amber. And I love everything you're doing. And you're so smart and you're so talented. And you got a a tricky little rough part patch here, but uh, I know you're gonna get through it because you're so funny and you kill it on stage almost every night. If you guys ever get a chance while you're in LA, you gotta go see Amber do stand-up. It is No one does it like she does. I, I'm i so honored to be working with her. She's so fucking hilarious. When I first got to town, I saw her split an hour with John for, uh, He's been on the show before. He did a Hoopa Goo Goo. He was on SNL for a little while. And not that is that like nothing against Milheiser, but Amber blew that shit out of the water. Like she fucking, she took it to town, man. She uh, opinions and she's she, madness. Just, the woman, it's complete madness, and I respect her for that. And she doesn't hold no scruples. And her stand up is just kind of like a salute to the kind of person a woman should be.
0: I mean, it was just a lot of, like, trusting the universe. And I'm so shocked and surprised I haven't been murdered. I mean, maybe I will be, and this will be played at my funeral, (laughs) this podcast. Man. But I remember just laying and just kind of, you know, when you cry and no tears come out, it's just kind of like putting your face in the pillow and screaming softly. It was like that. And I had nothing. And then I just randomly told this girl the next day at work. And then I just moved in the next day. (laughs) I hope... Can you hear these people coming in next to me? Maybe they're the drug dealers. They're coming to get me. Well, I mean, it's a good neighborhood. I've never felt scared here. I'd say I felt scared on Hollywood Boulevard. And I recently went back to that corner of the world where I used to live. And I had these, like... You know when you're physically in a place, um, and then the emotions come back from what you were feeling like? I just got this overwhelming thing of sadness, you know? It's like, oh, I have to go, like this chaotic energy. That that was a very dangerous area, Hollywood. That's the most dangerous place in the world, I think. Man, I can't believe I did it. (laughs) I can't believe I did it. I mean, I'm definitely not going to cry until... I get this room, and I get the bed moved in, and I get everything worked out. I trust the universe. I don't trust the world. A lot of the world is um mean. <laughs> there was a woman at my bar the other day, and she's talking to her friends, and she said, do you know how females always lie and manipulate? And I was like, whoa, lady, this sounds like your problem. You know what I mean? Like, why are you judging and like, casting all this stuff out on women? You're a woman. I get a lot of that in Los Angeles. None of it in New York, a little bit in the South. But in Los Angeles, women will throw you under the bus for five likes on Twitter. They don't care. They just want attention. And maybe I'm sounding like one of those women, and I don't want to, because I love women. But man, oh man, I think because it's a lot of like TV shows and movies... They'll have one woman, central character, and a lot of men. So a lot of these women feel like they have to push down, knock out women to be that one pivotal character and to get the attention. And again, I don't want to be that kind of person. I was at the comedy store the other day, and I saw this girl whom I met at a party the night before, and I was like, oh, hi, it's me, Amber. I saw you at this party last night. I just want to say hello. Took out my hand. She looked at my hand, looked at me, laughed, scoffed, and walked away. I can't believe it. That was quite crazy. But that's how people are here. And not all people. And now I'm backtracking because it's very, like, when I first moved here, I was like, I hate everybody. Everybody's so mean. I mean, that happened when I first moved here. And then when I like got homeless, I guess, <laughs> it's just when, like, this beautiful stuff came out of the woodwork. I mean, I couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. Ed and Mary and Brian and Allie, I thank you. I thank you all. I sound like I'm winning an award for, like, the shittiest. <laughs> like, what am I going to give? What's the award, a trophy, a shoe? Man, but these sheets are nice. They're little flamingos, and they kind of look like vaginas, and I think that's why they were on discount. Oh, but I get a shower, and I get to clean, and I get to take a nap. Do you know what it's like to take a nap and be unbothered? Oh, that feeling of just drifting away and then getting up and then going. I can never take naps. I would have to get up and just get up at 9 a.m., even after working. Because the person I'm staying with gets up at 9, you know, they start their day like a regular human being. But I close the bar up at like 2. Some nights, some nights midnight, some nights a little earlier. And I'm tired and then I go home and then I have to get up and get a few hours of sleep. But it's good that I traveled around Los Angeles. I got to know this place more in the past three months than I did a year and a half living on Hollywood. Man, I feel like this podcast is really unfunny. (laughs) I'm not really cracking the jokes, but that's okay. Oh, it is weird that I have my my sheet. Like, you know how, like, imagine like a kid with a flashlight and they're reading a little Goosebumps book under the covers. That's what I look like with this microphone. But I guess the moral of this whole podcast and me is saying that if you are unhappy, then you can get up and do it. You can make yourself happy. And it's going to be hard. This was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> I can't believe I did it. But I did it. I didn't even want to think about it or talk about it because that's how hard it was. You said to keep going, keep pushing. And you know, you see the light of the tunnel and you can do it. And I believe in you. Thank you
1: everybody for listening to the brighter side. Uh, we love you. as uh it, this has been a fun little experiment. I'm glad you guys listened and checked it out. Uh we we're gonna try a couple more of these maybe. Uh it's just fun. It, I, I love you know I, I love just like it analyzing the brain of the Nelson. And this is a good way to do it. You guys got a good steep into it. And uh, so let's do, uh, we're going to wrap this puppy up today. And I really appreciate you guys listening. You go out there, there's the brighter side. You be good to yourself. Whereas cynics look at optimism. How I believe you should be going through life. And taking us out today is, you know, talking about being alone lonesome loser by little river band have you heard about the lonesome loser beaten by the queen of hearts every time i hope that's the right way to do it we love you guys check us out on all social media platforms we're on twitter we're on instagram brighter side lpn we love you be good to yourself be good to your families. Pet your dog. If you don't got a dog, ask someone else if you could pet their dog. Just don't bend down and start petting it. You never know what the dog's gonna do. You know, you maybe yeah, you have a good, you're good with dogs, but at the same time, they don't know. Love you. Be good to yourself, you lonesome losers. Little River Band, taking it down the stream.